Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. The race is on, and Alfa Romeo has announced that Joe Guan Yu will remain with the team in 2023 as the latest piece of the F1 driver market slots into place. But how good has his rookie season really been, and why has Alfa Romeo struggled to keep up its good form of the early stages of the season? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to answer those questions and more is Mark Hughes. Well, Mark, how are you doing? Looking forward to jumping on a plane for Singapore, as we're both going to be doing fairly shortly. Uh, yes, uh, not the plane journey itself, but uh, it's a bit long. But uh, yeah, you get rewarded once you get there. And um, I, I do like the um, the the way the the time zone works there. Just because we stay on European time, it somehow makes the days seem longer. I don't know. It seems to be twenty eight hours in every day, and I quite like that. <laughs> I always quite like it when you get to the circuit, and some of the team members have misjudged the curfew. And you'll see hundreds of F1 personnel queuing up, waiting for the time to tick by so they're allowed in the paddock because that's how it works. You're not actually allowed into the paddock until a certain time. But it's great Singapore, isn't it? Right from that first race in 2008 we were there for, it's a bit of a notorious race for obvious reasons, but it just belonged in F1 immediately, didn't it? Oh, completely, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's unique, isn't it? And it's just visually so stunning, you know, with the, the, the nighttime lights and the neon and the, the you know the roads going over the top of the track carrying normal traffic and it, it's just yeah it, it's it's like a i don't know like a, a modern day scene from metropolis that that that, that famous film of the 30s but it, it's just um yeah it's fantastic and it, it has a very nice laid-back sort of vibe as well good to get a fritz lang reference on the podcast i'm pleased about that we don't do yeah that i was try yeah <laughs> Excellent. Well, hopefully it won't be too long to wait before the next one. Well, let's get to the topic at hand. 
when Joe got the drive originally, there were some strong critics arguing that it was solely on the basis of the funding he brought, but he was also multiple race winner at F4, F3 and F2 level. So he had proven himself at every step before F1. How would you assess his season so far? Um, better than expected and certainly better than um, a, a lot of the detractors were expecting. Um, I think he's a um, he's one of those guys that just gets steadily better. And you saw that in his Formula 2 career. And he, that improvement is continuing as well. So um, he, he, he came in at a... Um, I'd, he wasn't. He didn't sort of make everyone sit up and take notice with his instant speed, but he's, he's, he was quicker than, in, in reference to Valtteri Bottas, his teammate, he was quicker than I think many were expecting. And he was very composed and very polished, and I think that's probably been the most um, noteworthy thing about his debut season. Uh, very few really, you know, glaring errors, and he's managed to stay on track with the the development of the car and the development of himself. He hasn't gone down blind alleys. He's not got into a confidence crisis. He's just sort of made steady progress. And um, latterly, he's been beginning to every now and again to out-qualify Valtteri. So, yeah, I mean, he's, as an average, he's, he's, if you look at the qualifying difference, as an average, at three-tenths off Valtteri, he's... Um, that's that's one of the bigger um, deficits uh, uh, between the, the the ten teammate lineups, um, but it's not as big as that between Perez and Verstappen or Latifi and Albon. Um, but it's it's one of the bigger ones. But it, it's the the trend is going in the right way. I think he outqualified Valtteri last two times out, so there are still enough six races left. He's, he's he's got enough time to if he can maintain that level of improvement to get that gap down to a much more respectable level by the end of the season that average gap um and i think we, you know we will see him on a good day um he should be able to um race on level terms with with Valtteri and it's it's really then just where where the car is you know the the, the car was much more impressive earlier in the season than it that is at the moment yeah, it's interesting if you look at those qualifying gaps. It's been quite messy for Alpha this season, so there's quite a few weekends where it's not entirely a fair comparison. But broadly speaking, the gap, if you look at the first half of the season he's had so far compared to the second half, he's kind of halved it. So that's a pretty good little trend, isn't it? He started a chunk off and he's now half a chunk off, which considering Bottas's qualifying record against someone like Lewis Hamilton, yeah, qualified Lewis Hamilton pushing about a third of the time, which is pretty good considering you're talking about Lewis Hamilton that that's not bad but right from the start he was pretty composed that first race in Bahrain he got points for 10th place well a point to be precise and it was actually a pretty well measured drive in the race because he fell into anti-stall at the start which was a bit of a problem for him early in the season the way that the the rev ranges work on F1 cars he did it in Saudi Arabia at the start as well so he he lost a load of places at the start in Bahrain and then picked his way back through and picked up that point which was a nice starter for him but that sensible approach I quite like because right away it was always well I'm aiming to get to Q2 and try and get a first point early on was the kind of mindset at a time when Bottas was sticking it in Q3 it would have been very very easy for him to get carried away and start shooting for the impossible goal of out qualifying Bottas immediately and that way can lead to a rookie season unraveling if you get too impatient yeah, absolutely, and that's that's just that level-headed approach, and it's 
you know, it, it, it's, it stood them in really good stead. And you know, it's, it's just uh, the things that um, simulator can't buy you really. Um, you know, now that you can't have thousands of miles of, of, of preseason testing, that's what a rookie faces. So it's uh, the, the difficulties, things like um, how to instantly gauge how much more grip the new tires have got. Or how much the track has gripped up. You know, you you quite often see him at the beginning of a weekend, especially now, now that he's more into the swing of things. He'll he'll begin practice and it looks like he might have a small edge over Valtteri in, in general running, maybe a tenth, a tenth and a half. But when it comes time to bolt on the new tires and the track is gripped up, you usually see Valtteri take a much bigger step. And that's that's not the inherent speed of the driver. That's just knowing and being more familiar with um you know the, the just the, the routine of things and then and, and what 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 you're going to expect um so he, he's not i think the what a what a rookie a problem a rookie usually faces now is getting getting to access the potential consistently um and he's he's proved unusually good at reaching quite a lot of his own potential, I, I, I feel. Um, and I think that's probably the most impressive bit about his season. Um, I've not yet seen the spark of something more, but that doesn't suggest it, it, it won't come because everyone you know, sort of develops in different ways and different rates. But, yeah, I would say that um, where is where, he, where he's being impressive is, is just how much of himself he's able to access um, for, you know, a good proportion of the time. And that's one of those things that will stand him in good stead. It's just a question of where that potential runs out, which I think is the big question based on what we've seen from him historically. He's always got to a good level, but never a stellar level. So it's whether he can be more than kind of a good solid midfield F1 driver next year with that second year with Alfa Romeo, he'll be expected to kick on and he's shown the right mindset. So he's still only 23. So there is an upside still there for him to find. But yeah, that learning process has been has been interesting for him. There's a good example early on in Australia when he was battling with Albon for that final point. If you remember, Albon had that last lap pit stop. So he came out of the pits. Joe probably should have got ahead of him, but he'd been pushing to try and make sure the gap was right for when Albon came in. And then he had a big moment at in the coming through the second part of the turn one two right left with the rear kicking out just because he hadn't quite realized how much that had taken out the rear tires in terms of overheating so that was an important little lesson he did well to keep it out of the wall actually there but I think if they did that race again he'd probably nab that final point such as that ability to learn but he did say after the Italian Grand Prix recently that he feels he took a big step in Canada now that shows with the fact he did qualify well and race well he was in Q3 for the first time in the wet in Canada, finished eighth. So that was a, a big result for him, his best result of the season. That was race nine of the year. And of course, the trouble is that Alfa Romeo scored the vast majority of its points in the first eight races, 41 of its 52. It has scored to be precise. So Joe has six points compared to Boss's 46, which isn't a great return. I think that means he's only scored about 12% of Alfa's points, which isn't great. But do you think that's a, a fair thing to take into consideration that if the Alfa had remained more competitive or perhaps it had started off less competitive and then it had got stronger as he got stronger, that points gap would be a little bit different. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is fair. And do you think, um, yeah, if you, if you swapped around how comp- 
competitive the Alpha was in the first half of the season. With the second half of the season, um, I think everybody would um, be very impressed by um, Joe by now. And that's just, uh, unfortunately, just the, the way it is, the, the car uh, was one of the very few right down on the weight limit at the beginning of the season. And in the midfield group, that um, that really played well. That, that, that allowed it to be the fastest of the, uh, the best of the rest, if you like, on a, a couple of occasions. It's nowhere near that now. Um, and it's not so much because they've, you know, the, the car's got slower. It's just that uh, everybody else around them has not only just done the usual aero development, but they've they've been successful in getting the car weight down to the level that Alfred already got down to, if you see what I mean. So, you know, there was no more scope for Alfred to, to do more on that. So, yeah, that's that as as, as that that that's meant that some of Joe's progress has um, gotten a little bit unnoticed. Yeah, it's one of those things that unfortunately the weight thing. Once you're at the weight. There's not much you can gain. You can get a bit lighter and help yourself a little bit with where you put the ballast, etc. But yeah, there's there's not much upside to be found there. And then yeah, your aero development is having to work twice as hard, given that there were some cars that were 15 kilos heavier than the Alpha early in the season. So that can be a good half second, six tenths maybe even at, at some tracks. So that's a, a big factor. But I think overall, I guess there's a lot of expectation on Joe because people want him to do well because there's this always this excitement about the Chinese market. F1's got a bit of a foothold there with the Chinese Grand Prix going back to 2004, but it's yet to really catch the imagination there. And I guess that's the the hope, isn't it? That he can become more than just kind of a, a good midfield performer. That's probably putting a little bit too much expectation on his shoulders to single-handedly make F1 massive in, in the elusive Chinese market though, isn't it? Yeah, but it just it, it'll it will snowball as long as it um, you know if, if he can sort of switch on a, a significant group of uh, people in China to Formula One, you know that that will build, and then the next guy comes along and it builds and builds. It just that that's that's how it works, and it's um, it's it, all of a sudden you know you you, you might have a you might have a, um, a, the equivalent of um, the Netherlands on your hands when the when when the right guy does come along, you know. But I guess from Alfa Romeo's perspective, there weren't really many compelling alternatives. There was the suspicion coming into this year that maybe Theo Pacher, who's their, one of their junior drivers, was expected to fight for the F2 title. His F2 season hasn't quite gone as strongly as high, the high points have been good, but he obviously hasn't been able to uh, to win that championship, which Felipe Drugovic won. So I guess it makes sense for them to keep Joe with the backing he brings Fairly solid team for them with with him alongside Bottas. Yeah, there's. Um, I would say the uh, the list of, of what the what the team are, are looking at in terms of going forward and improving. Um, the the drivers aren't anywhere near the top of the list. You know, it's um, there's a lot there's a lot still to do um, to improve the performance. Where you can, um, I think that's it's it's got a a pretty good it's got a pretty good lineup given where it's at in its you know in its development. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And certainly we'll get on in a moment to some of the wider struggles of that team. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'll get back to the pod in a moment, but first, a word about our partner, Grammarly. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing, and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Well, Mark, there's every chance Alpha will hold on to sixth in the championship, which will be its best finish since 2012. That's the season that it had Sergio Perez and Kamui Kobayashi both scoring podiums. How convinced are you, though, by the team, given it slid backwards? You've mentioned some of the reasons for that, with the, the weight advantage not being there. But it's got to say, it's been a little bit disappointing that it's gradually slid into more Q2 obscurity. Yeah, it's been a little bit scrappy. And you touched on it before, the, the operations, the trackside operations of... Um, have not been great. They did. It's it's been a little bit scrappy. Um, that would be my biggest criticism of the team. The in terms of where they the cars are, it they they're making since 2013 when it almost went bust and it was starved of investment for years. It that that has caused a lot of pain year on year on year because if everybody else was still expanding and you know adding to their facilities and. Takes a lot to. It takes a long time to come back from the sort of damage that starving a team of investment like that will do, and it it, it has it has been making that progress. And it, I would say it's a it's probably a more competitive car inherently this year than it has been for the the last couple of years. But um, yeah, I think they didn't maximize it when they could have done um, because of the. Some, not all of the uh, reliability issues were, was down to them. Some of it were the, the Ferrari power unit, but quite a significant, um, not just race retirements, but lost track time in practice and things like that has been down to the team. And um, I'd, I'd say that it needs it needs a little bit of uh, shoring up there. Um, and let's let's see what uh, what they can come up with, how creative they can be. On the technical side, because it, I mean, it wasn't a bad starting point for a car. It was, you know, to be third or fourth quickest car, you know, around Miami, Spain time, which they were, I think, was pretty good. It was, it was that was punching above their weight. Um, but I think they've probably fallen down um, a little bit below their weight in the latter part of the season. So there's potential there. There's stuff to work on. 
um, but it is most definitely still a work in progress. Yeah, it's a bit of a bad run recently. They've had seven races in which they've scored one point. That's following that Canada weekend where they had seventh and eighth with Bossas and Joe. Joe picked up a point at Monza relatively late on. He spent most of that race chasing Nick De Vries, of course, in the in the Williams. It is a funny team in that regard because there's been a little bit of that in previous years as well. Obviously, it's had a less competitive car in the years, couple of years before, but even then hasn't always made the most out of it and that's the big concern I think there because we know they have good facilities they've got their famous wind tunnel that was paid for by selling Kimi Raikkonen onto McLaren and it is also a team that's got an interesting future isn't it because we had Audi announcing they were coming into F1 as a as an engine supplier they're going to be buying three quarters of the Sauber operation that this still is of course it's only Alfa Romeo because of a, a sponsorship deal effectively and that Alfa Romeo deal ends at the end of 2023 but it'll be or should be if everything pans out as hope the Audi works team down the line that's quite an interesting prospect isn't it because that puts some extra pressure on this team because it's now all about that ramp up isn't it especially as Audi has said they want to be very competitive within three years of coming in which has to mean running up towards the front and probably threatening for wins really doesn't it well that's going to be the expectation from Audi most definitely and you can easily see the uh, potential for a little bit of conflict there as 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 reality and um, expectations don't um, align on mesh perfectly and uh, yeah everybody there it depends how and how it depends how much Audi is going to take this by the scruff of the neck and and make it their team or whether they're just going to feed into what's existing there. And I suspect it'll be the former. And so this, I, I would think three or four years' time, this team is not going to look anything like it looks now in terms of the people there and the structures in place. I think it's going to be a very much more um, Audi-centric uh, organisation. I don't think they're going to be a, a passive partner, even in the way that, say, Honda has been at Red Bull, you know, where Red Bull's still the dominant partner. and Honda feeds in and, and, and achieves success. They achieve success together, but it's it's you know all all put put together by by the team. It, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's it's going to be very much a run as a works team, and it just happens to be where Sauber used to be. <laughs> I suspect that's how it will develop. Yeah, and that means there'll be more investment. Of course, we should note the team isn't quite running at the cost cap this year. It's expecting to run at the cost cap next year and of course the cost cap sort of gets a bit lower but it's still higher than it was going to be because of the extra money because of inflation etc but that's what they're working towards it's a funny team though that one isn't it because it's always had that challenge of recruitment given where it's based in Hinville in Switzerland it's not based in the UK where so many F1 personnel are obviously Italy's the other big pool in terms of, of personnel so They've always said it's difficult to attract and retain the the best people. So I guess the hope will be that it being a Volkswagen project will perhaps help that pulling power a little bit because it's one thing to join a an independent Sauber team, but another thing when it's a, a full-on Audi team. So maybe gives it some of the luster that it had when it was relatively briefly the BMW works team from 06 to, to 2009. Do you, do you think it can kind of overcome that geographical limitation that the team themselves admit is a slight problem? Yeah, I think it can. I mean, it it, um, it, it usually means you have to pay the uh, the big recruits more money um, to relocate to Switzerland because, you know, they prefer being in the in the Silicon Valley of the UK. But um, 
it's it's not um, it's not a you know a a, a, a game changing barrier. It's it, it's just something that needs to be overcome. Um, and I, yeah, obviously you will have a bigger pool of engineering talent, etc. When um, when it becomes a more um, Germanic team, I guess because the the, the the Audi will be Audi will be paying the, the those engineers. So um, I don't I don't see that its physical location would would um, prevent it from um, aspiring to be a, a world championship contending team, and which it was when. when for that one year, um, when it was BMW, um, they, you know they they showed in two thousand and eight that um, the, the, the team could um, operate at that level, and um, it will do again if it um, if it's run efficiently and the investment is made in all the right places. But they're all very big ifs because they're they're difficult things to get right. Yeah, there is at least a nice basis there. There are good people there. The facilities are good, even if there have been times over the past decade, 12 years, when they haven't been able to fully utilise those facilities as well. Obviously, had their driver-in-loop simulator they were behind on, but they invested heavily in that a few years ago, so that's now fully being used. Really important part of development now for Formula One and helpful for the drivers as well. So gradually going in the, the right direction, but an interesting exercise in what that team can achieve. We saw a glimpse of that with the BMW Sauber team, as, as it was called, but never quite quite made it. But that, that's an interesting what-if in itself, isn't it? Because if you ask Robert Kubica, he'll tell you that in 2008 they should have kept pushing on and he could have won the championship. But they seemed satisfied with winning a race and the aim was 2009. So I guess it's a chance to kind of put right that slightly irritating, you could argue, what if that 2008 could have been a BMW title. Do you think, do you think that could have been back then? I do, yes, I do. Um, I think... Uh... First half of that 2008 season, they were getting closer and closer to the pace, and Robert was putting in the results. And the 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 other two teams, Ferrari and McLaren, were were there. They were splitting the the points between them, and um, um, Massa and Ham- Hamilton were making more mistakes than Kubica. And I think if they'd been able to continue to develop and keep the car or get the car on the on the pace, um, given that they'd already put Robert in the lead of the championship, um, I think he absolutely would have been fighting for the title, yeah. It was only 23 points he missed out on, which considering how long they backed off for because of that more corporate schedule, which which backfired terribly, it's uh, it's interesting to imagine what might have happened then. And of course, yes, 2009 went pretty badly and BMW decided to, to pull out. So... Yeah, an interesting trajectory for for the for the Sauber team, and I guess that's what's exciting for a driver like Joe. If he can keep kicking on, then he has the chance to be part of that. I think that's still a big if. He's shown himself to be perfectly decent, a, a handy Grand Prix driver. He's got the potential to improve, and he'll need to next year. But nice, good foundation this year. And I guess before we go, we should briefly look ahead to Singapore. What are you expecting from this weekend? Can you see anything other than a Max Verstappen and Red Bull win, barring some kind of reliability malady. Well, he's favourite for everywhere now, isn't he? I don't think he's nailed on um, for everywhere, but he's favourite for everywhere. And I think if you were looking at the, given the recent performance patterns of the two car, the two fastest cars, you're looking at where Ferrari might have half a chance. Um, Singapore would be one of those places, and um, I guess um, Brazil would be another. But 
Uh, yeah, they're going to have to get everything absolutely nailed right and against a team that very rarely gets things wrong. Yeah, exactly. It'd be very uh, interesting to see how it pans out. I always remember Charles Leclerc had that mega pole out there in 2019 when he really had the Ferrari hung out, had a few kind of big moments he had to gather up, really, really spectacular qualifying laps. So it could be a particularly good battle on Saturday. And of course, Mercedes are relatively optimistic for this one. They say their simulations say it should be one of their better tracks. A little bit worried about the bumps they should be though, shouldn't they? Yeah, that's the, uh, the the main limitation there. I, w- I would have thought it's, it's not so much the high speed, um, the, the, the 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 sort of the porpoising issues they had earlier in the season, more just the the the, the poor ride. Um, they they they're sort of stuck in a corner with that as a, a result of the concept of the car, really. And uh, you know, you can still give good downforce at, at at low ride heights, and you know, still give good slow corner performance, etc. But if you're bouncing up and down like that, the it's gonna it's gonna take it out of the tires, and so you're not you might be able to do a qualifying lap like that, but you're not going to be particularly quick in the race. So that, that it's, yeah, it'll be, it, I guess, one of the better tracks, but it, uh, I still find it very difficult to look past Red Bull. And um, even if Mercedes can get somewhere close to Ferrari, I think they'd be doing very well. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that. But yeah, really looking forward to qualifying in particular. There have been some great pole laps there back in the past. Felipe Massa in 2008, Lewis Hamilton had a mega pole lap there. And of course, Verstappen's quick as well. So that should be a really uh, interesting battle. Well, thanks very much, Mark Hughes, for your insight. Head to therace.com and don't forget the hyphen as there's loads to read there. And don't forget to download our new app. Just search for The Race Media in your app store of choice also check out our other podcasts including the race indycar podcast and formula e moto gp and bring back v10s and also take a look at our youtube channel we're now heading to the airport to make our way to the next race so stay with us for everything you need to know from the singapore grand prix the athletic 